Hello and welcome back to Footprints. You're listening to the July episode with me, Pommy Harmer. This monthly podcast is designed to tempt you out walking and to take part in Bathscape's Walking Festival this September. This month we're talking about long distance walking, what it means and how to prepare for it. Lucy takes a walk along the riverside, but first we hear about Bristol Stepping Sisters, an organisation that has become hugely popular in the southwest with almost 400 Facebook members. It's a walking organisation for women of colour, and here are the exuberant Sophie Brown and Ruth Pitter to tell us all about it. Now, you are both really keen walkers, aren't you? Sophie, tell me first, how much do you like to walk? Literally every day, to be honest. doesn't have to be far, but yeah, I, I walk every day. And what is it about walking that you really like? So just strolling along, you know, paying no mind to the busyness of what's going on around me. And just taking things in, like maybe um, the sound of the birds and the wind in the trees. And Ruth, you really like to walk, don't you? Walk long distance, I know this. Tell us about that. Yeah, I love walking a bit like Sophie. I just like, if I could walk every day, I'd be out there walking every day. And I think the thing that... um, probably stops me from doing more is time. You have to give yourself some time to get from A to B. It's easier to get on a bus or to drive. And I think it started for me when I was younger. I didn't realise this, but I was a bit stingy. I used to get my um, pocket money and I didn't want to spend it on the bus fare. (laughs) So I used to walk everywhere with my friend and spend our bus fare on other things. And that was when I first started walking, but that was just walking around the city, you know, getting from A to B. But I think in recent years, uh, a friend of mine told me they were going to do the Camino de Santiago in Spain, which is a 500 mile walk. And I never saw myself as a walker at all. But the idea of doing something like that, a challenge, just just really started buzzing in my head. And then it dawned on me that in order to do that, you need to train, which means you have to start walking. <laughs> And I, to be honest, I hadn't even thought about the amount of training. Yeah. So before you did the Camino, you weren't, you wouldn't have thought of yourself as a walker. No, no, I never really considered myself a walker until I did the Camino in two thousand eleven. It was when I started doing the training. I decided I realised how much I enjoyed it. And like Sophie said, just about going out and you know hearing birds, seeing nature. I, I even don't mind walking around streets and, you know, sometimes be really nosy and look into people's houses, see people's gardens. Oh, their garden looks really nice. You know, it, there's always something interesting to find, isn't there? Mm. Mm. People's front gardens are endlessly fascinating, I think. So, Sophie, tell us about your connection with walking. Have you walked all your life? I was born in Bath and I grew up in Chippenham. OK, so in Wiltshire. Yeah, in Wiltshire. Um, and I had my favourite place, Bird's Marsh, it was called. And we had a tree house up there. And like, as from the age of 12, I found myself doing a lot of wandering off, like walking on my own solo walking. And I just, I probably talked to animals more than human beings when I was a child, just walking everywhere, stopping, saying hello to people, you know? So I've always just liked walking. So you felt that the, the countryside was your place to be? I used to just wander off sometimes. And, you know, people used to ask where I was and my mum used to say, oh, she's just an indigo child, she'll be back soon. You know, <laughs> just make sure I got home before the sun went down. I was fine. Brilliant. Brilliant way to grow up. Now, you, so you've started this fantastic organisation called Bristol Stepping Sisters. 
And that's for women of colour, taking them out and getting them out of the city sometimes, not always, but out into the countryside. So just tell me a little bit about that. When I moved to Bristol, I didn't see, I mean, I was walking, but I didn't see much uh, women or people of colour walking, especially like on the outskirts of Bristol, in, in the countryside and things like that. You know, I always say this, I think it all stems from um, the group where we were in lockdown. You know, obviously that was a really bad time we were going through. And I used to take the hour out, but we were allowed an hour. And I used to go out and think, right, I wonder if other people would benefit from this. And that's how it all started, really. You're making it easier for women to get out there. Ruth, what do you think about this? Do you think there are barriers for women of colour? Oh, gosh, yeah, 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 definitely. Tell us about some of those. Well, uh, Sophie's had a different experience because she was brought up in the countryside. So she's a bit more used to being in the country and probably feels more comfortable being in the countryside. And the countryside has never been part of my my upbringing. So for a lot of black women, it is very alien and very new. I'm not saying all, but for a lot. So one is about the unf- not being familiar with spaces or with that with the with the um countryside um not having anyone else to walk with is 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 a barrier being out in spaces sometimes and being looked at and being stared at and it, it might well be that people are staring at us because okay they're black women you never see black women out in the countryside and so they're staring but even so because you're being stared at it makes you feel sometimes that it might make you feel you're not feel being made to feel welcome. So it was really important to try and encourage women out into those spaces. And Sophie's, you know, she's been brilliant in her vision. And actually, if we if we go together, if there's a group of us that are going together, it's much more about our feeling safe as well. But also there's a sense of sisterhood. And what I found, and it's been really exciting is that women coming out and wanting to come back and wanting to come to the next walk and, what, you know, really making time in their diaries. Women that haven't walked before or walked a little bit in lockdown are suddenly, like, coming to all the walks and really making it a priority for themselves. It's about, you know, addressing mental health issues, um, just well general well-being, you know, the sense, like I said, of sisterhood. Then suddenly feeling you've got safety in numbers. We did a walk around a golf course and I keep, you know, I talk about this quite a lot because um, how many of us have actually walked around a golf course? Um, it's very much a, a place where it's very male, very white. And suddenly you've got this massive group of black women walking around a golf course. I mean, that sense of power that I think, you know, we felt by being in that really unfamiliar territory that we're very rarely invited into, but there was a group of us and we were going to own it. You know, I think we all got a massive strength from that, as well as the fact that we enjoyed the reactions of the the guys, the the white men seeing this army of black women. (laughs) I'd love to have seen that. But it's those sorts of things about being in those unfamiliar spaces, but also feeling really safe about it and feeling that we have a right. We deserve to be in these spaces. The golf course was a public footpath, so it wasn't like we were trespassing. But we've got a right to be in these spaces, so why aren't we, you know? And if we can encourage more women to be in those spaces, more women of colour, then next time round, they may just go in their small groups of twos or threes or whatever. They don't, you know, always need Bristol Stepping Sisters. For us, it's great to have the group, but if women want to go off and do their own walk because they now feel more confident to do so, that in itself is a massive yeah. achievement. Yeah. It's quite revolutionary what you're doing, isn't it? 
Sophie, how, I know you've been really successful. Just tell me how successful this group has been. Well, to be honest, it is it is growing. We've got over over three hundred women in the group now. Three hundred. Yeah, in the group. But you get the. I think the most we've had to come out is thirty. We started two and a half months ago, wasn't it? It's first of April was the very first walk. Yeah, so I think it's grown a lot, and um, I'm quite surprised as well at the number of uh, women actually coming out and looking forward to coming back to walks. You know. Also, people have, have developed friendships, haven't they, within the group that have just yeah. happened naturally by walking and finding that they've got connections in some way. And so people have gone off and, you know, they've created their own friendships. This is brilliant. It's really, really wonderful. It works on so many levels, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So where do you walk? Tell me some of the places you go to. Where, where, where have you been and where are you planning to go? So at the moment, the group just goes places where I, I'm very familiar with uh, for the fact that it means it's been risk assessed, so I know where I'm going. So it's Glastonbury. Lovely. Uh, where else are we going? We're doing the uh, Portishead to Clevedon coastal walk on Saturday for the second time. Lee Woods, Snuff Mills. Kings Western House. Um, we've done Cardiff last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just branching out into all these little... Pensford. Pensford, yeah, that, that's a nice one. We've won it. Um, you know, we just ended up in this lovely pub and felt welcome. It was lovely. Are you are you planning on going to Bath, beautiful Bath? Yeah, I was thinking of the walk we've won. I Bath to Brad, Bradford and Avon or Canesham to Bath along the canal. Oh, yeah, and then you get the train back, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or the skyline. the skyline. I need to go in a group to do that again, Ruth, because the last time I went on my own, I did get chased by cows. And Brist on Bath skyline. Yes, I went to the woods and I was coming down the bottom and I was a bunch of cows and they just looked at me and started running towards me. They like the look of you, Sophie. Sophie is a very <laughs> fast mover when cows are around. <laughs> I was saying, Pommy, when you said about revolutionary, so some of the walks have been arranged, people have to get on the bus. It's quite funny when we turn up at the bus station and suddenly all these black women, like 25 black women, are sort of waiting to get on the bus <laughs> and you can see everyone looking around thinking... Where they all come from. And people want to ask, but not want to ask. And then some British person comes up and says, where are you all going? The bus turns up and the driver turns up. And suddenly this bus driver has got these 25 black women waiting to get on the bus to go somewhere like Glastonbury or Wells or Pensford. And it's probably the first time they've ever seen so many black women get on a bus. <laughs> I've seen some of the pictures. It's really, really good. It looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> it's been a great way to come out of lockdown. It's really helped to get us emerging from lockdown and, you know, easing back into general, like, you know, everyday life. But to have that to look forward to has been fantastic. And, and to be meeting, you know, some really lovely, interesting, wonderful, caring women. Love it. Now, one of the things that we've discussed on, on the podcast before is the favourite snacks that we take. What's your favourite snack? Um, I, li I like my ham sandwiches. Okay, ham sandwiches. I, I, I like ginger oat cakes. I've got packets of ginger oat cakes in different pockets of my different... You know, I've probably got... You always find me like four or five packets of ginger oat cakes in, in probably every single pocket of my backpack. Because uh, A, they, you can share them, but they, I've, I love ginger and it's just, I've, I feel as though they've given me a bit of energy, you know. So, yeah, that's my favourite snack. So how can women of colour get hold of you if they want to come walking with you? They can go on Facebook, Instagram 
or uh, Twitter, we're on there. And we do have an email address as well. And also it's through friends, I think he's on Facebook, um, usually gives them the word of mouth and they can have my private number and I can WhatsApp them individually. Thank you both so much for talking to me today. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Pommy. That was Sophie Brown and Ruth Pitter from Bristol Stepping Sisters. Hello again, Lucy. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm really good. Really good, actually. Because this week we're exploring long distance walking and I have just come back from a long distance walk, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And it's a topic that's very dear to my heart and has been made all the easier for many, many people by the sprouting up of many baggage handling companies eager to transport your gear along the path. I didn't use this, but I have it in the past, and it it really got me into the whole long-distance walking thing. Whereas I have never done a long-distance walk, and so I'm going to find out all about them from you. I do know where they are, where you can find out about them, and the local ones to us, but the whole experience of planning it and walking it, I've never done. I'm very tempted, though. Yeah, well, you definitely should try it. It's a fantastic thing to do. It's it's one of the most joyous, simple pleasures in life, walking from one place to another, day after day, with nothing else on your to-do list. And where have you just been? So I've just come back from walking the Northumberland Coast Path. That's a 62-mile walk from Cresswell, which is kind of just north of Newcastle up to Berwick-upon-Tweed, which is three miles south of the Scottish border. Is it? We walked a little bit further because we did a detour onto Holy Island, which I thoroughly recommend. And I think it's quite a good one to start with because it's very flat, mostly along beaches. It's it's not like the Cornish coast path. There are no ladders. There's no huge cliffs. And the bird life and the wildlife was just amazing. We saw... All the birds you can imagine. We went out to the Farne Islands. Um, we saw puffins and razorbills and guillemots and kittiwakes and gannets. And we saw eider ducks. We saw deer in the dunes just poking their heads out and then springing about in the dunes. Amazing. It was. It was absolutely magical. So how did you get into it in the first place? What was your first long-distance walk? My first long-distance walk was some of the southwest coast path. So I finished a long career working in mental health and decided that before I started my next thing, I needed some time off. So I spent five weeks walking from Ilfracombe to Falmouth. And the Southwest Coast Path starts in Minehead, but I looked at the route descriptions from Minehead to Ilfracombe and I just thought, I'm not capable of that. <laughs> they're too long, they're too high, they're too difficult. So I started in Ilfracombe, which is much lower, and you end up on the estuary into Barnstable and then into Biddeford. So it's a nice route in before you start the Cliffs of Cornwall. I've walked quite a bit of the the coastal path but what I've tended to do is just stay in one place and that's the big difference isn't it between what you're describing and what 
I'm describing. So I'll stay in one place and go on a different walk, maybe take a bus in one direction and walk back or walk along the coastal path and then walk back inland, which is easier. And, and as you alluded to, the Cornish coastal path is very, very, very up and down. So how do you know how much you're going to do in one day? And then how, how does that, you then book accommodation with what you think you'll be able to do? So I think the way to start is to have a look at the National Trails website, nationaltrail.co.uk. And for every trail that they manage, they do route descriptions. And you can look at the mileage. Now, some of their, some of their walks have, for some reason, much longer mileages between the stages. And that might be an indicator that there's not a lot of accommodation in between. So I would start with a walk where the mileage is not too long, sort of around maybe 10 miles a day max. And you can always up it. You know, if you start small, if you get there at three o'clock in the afternoon, then it doesn't matter because you can just wander about and sit and relax and take things in. And But if you if you get there at six and you're exhausted, you're not going to want to get up the next day, are you? So, so I would start smaller and build up and you'll soon get an idea of what you can manage and then the other thing I think is really start by doing some consecutive walks so maybe go away for a weekend and do Saturday Sunday and then perhaps do a three-day walk and see how your feet feel because it isn't the same as having a day off in between no and that's the thing isn't it and I imagine tell me if I'm wrong it starts off tough and then gets easier or does it go in peaks and troughs I can remember that aches and pains would start in one shoulder and would go down down to my feet, cross to the other feet and up the other side. <laughs> the second week I felt like I was getting flu. The third week I felt really good. So I think it's entirely individual. I mean, I, I was much, much less fit than I should have been. Yeah. But I still managed it. And and I think it's not just good for your physicality, it's it's just good for your mind. It's a fantastic thing to do because you really do just switch off. And the great thing about things like you mentioned the National Trails is that those are across some of the most phenomenal landscapes in the country, aren't they? Um, there's about 16 of them in England and Wales, including the coastal paths. Obviously, the nearest one to us is the Cotswold Way, but they are across some of the most stunning landscapes in the country, aren't they? They really are. And the Cotswold Way is a really good one, actually, to start with, because you can drive up to Chipping Camden from Bath. And if you're going with other people, this is how I first did it, you can you can do car swapping so that you can put a car at each end of whatever stages you're doing. And it does have quite enough up and down to get you a bit fit. It's absolutely beautiful, the Cotswolds Way. A lot of it is on the western escarpment, so you can see right over to Wales, right across the River Severn, and oh, it's just a beautiful beech woods. It's just beautiful. And the other thing, you know, the National Trail website is really good to start with, but I think getting a book is good. And there are really good books out there. There's Cicerone do a whole heap of books on long distance walking. But my favourite is Trailblazer. Yeah. And they do all these hand-drawn, really accurate drawings of your route every day. 
and you get to know whether it's going to be a four-page day or a five-page day. And if it's really long, it's going to be a six-page day. <laughs> but they also go into the accommodation where you can get food. Food is a, an important thing, obviously, because you don't want to carry too much food, so you've got to buy it every day. So you do have to plan things like that as you go. What will I need for the next day? Where am I going to get it? And for the more intrepid, I think some people would would look for campsites and carry all of their kit. So what we've just talked about when we've been talking about accommodation is is things like B&Bs, isn't it? So you book your B&B or go through one of the companies that will book your B&Bs for you, if, if that's even easier for you, or do the driving. But then what about carrying all of your kit with you and going camping? So if you're fit enough to do this, and, I, I, and I'm not sure I am, then yes, you can take everything you need on your back. And what a, what a free way to be that would be, I think, just camping every night in a, in a campsite. And, and I suppose, you know, you can use all these luggage transfer services to take your gear from place to place. You can mix and match, can't you? You, can, you could camp for a few nights yeah. and then stay in a B&B and have a good night's sleep on a bed and get a shower and do your washing. Um, I don't think it, it needs to be one or the other. It, it really probably boils down to how fit you are, what you want and how much money yeah. you've got and how much time yeah. you've got. What's the most essential thing? What are you very glad you had in your pack? The most important thing is to have comfortable footwear. Yeah. And then on top of that, oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I travel as light as I possibly can. So I have one change of clothing only and I wash it every night. I wouldn't be without dry sacks. You can get them in all different colours and sizes. So you can put all your clothes into one. You can put all your bits and pieces and first aid kit into another. You can put your food into a third. It separates everything. It's colour coded. You know where everything is. You can get it out easily. You don't have to fish about at the bottom of your rucksack for your apple. Yeah. That would be my top tip. Have a few of these different sizes to pack different things in so you know that your blue bag always has your clothes in or your red bag always has your first aid kit and your toothbrush. We've talked about food at length on this podcast before. And do you find when you're doing a long distance walk that you have to change your eating habits? Is there... So, you know, like um, I'm thinking if when people are running marathons, then they might be loading up on different either carbs or proteins or whatever. Do you consciously need to keep topping up your energy levels? I always carry oat cakes. So I have oat cakes every day for lunch, plus something else, some sort of dip. You can get hummus in pretty much every tiny shop in the UK. It's amazing. Are you, I like naked bars, you know, any kind of trail bars. They're light. One of those a day would, would work. An apple. Apples are heavy, but I think they, they're very easy to pack. They don't destruct like bananas. And they feel quite satisfying when you've eaten a whole apple because you, you want to feel yeah. like you've eaten something that's, you know, done you some good. And given you a bit of an energy, energy boost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Top tips then are do two or three days walking while staying, say, at home or in some some holiday accommodation to just see what you can do by day three, whether you're still at the 10 miles or whether you've dropped and get a get a feel for, for how long you can go go on for. And then 
start with something that's well researched and got n nice bits of varied accommodation along the route. Take it from there. And build in rest days. Yes. Really important, I think, to have a day where you just mooching about but but obviously they need to be somewhere where you know you want to be you can spend a day I always take a notebook and pen and keep a diary of where I've gone and I often use the rest days to catch up on that and with a lot particularly with the national trails and a lot of the long distance um, walks as well like we say there are going to be places that you'll want to stop along the way anyway aren't there towns that you might never have been to before beautiful bits of coastline where you'll happily spend a couple of days so where is your next long distance walk going to be i think it's going to be off a stoic because i've only walked tiny little bits of it as part of day walks it's about a two-week walk which i think i could fit in before the autumn and my son has decided that maybe he might like to do a long distance walk having been anti-walking for all of his 28 years and that means that if he comes along, he can carry camping equipment for me. So it might be a whole new ball game. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and that's quite a good lead in, long distance walks, quite a good lead into the Cotswold Way, which has just celebrated its 50th anniversary and they are going to do a relay walk at the start of September's Walking Festival, the team there. And the wardens there will also, from time to time, it's worth keeping an eye on their website because they sometimes organise what we've just described. So they'll pick you up and take you so that you can do the whole of the Cotswold Way with them doing your transport for you. Fantastic. They'll tell you much more about that. Well, I can't wait to talk to them, actually, just because I think that, you know, what you don't appreciate, and maybe we appreciate more because we heard them, we heard the ramblers talking about footpath maintenance, is just how fortunate we are to have this network of paths that's so well signposted yeah. and so well kept up together. Yeah. You know, it is it is an absolute joy and we, we, we should really appreciate the work that goes into keeping those paths open. Absolutely. And available, yeah. you know. That, that isn't the same in every country. No. Before we go, Lucy, is there anything else coming up? I know we've got the Walking Festival. Do you want to update us on that? Walking Festival in September, um, coming together nicely. Yes, when I come back from my holiday, walking in the Yorkshire Dales, the programme will be published, hopefully. So probably by the next podcast, we'll be able to talk in detail about the programme. Can't wait. I can't wait. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Now it's time for our walk, and we've made Lucy do even more work in this episode. We asked her to record one of Bathscape's regular weekly walks and dispatched her to Bath bus station to meet the walkers. This group was originally set up by Age UK and is completely led by volunteers. The walks are short and aimed at older people or people who want to start taking exercise. We'll hear from Marion, who started the group a few years ago. But first, Lucy spoke to Robin, this week's walk leader. I'm here with Robin. He's been leading the group. Good morning, Lucy. How are you today? <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, where have we been and what have you... Well, tell us about the walk. We've done the river walk today. We've gone from the bus station along the river 
and we've come across the bridge near the council refuse tip, the new bridge, and we're now walking back towards Sainsbury's and the Salvation Army for a cup of coffee. Very nice. And how long have you been leading the walks? Um, let me just work this out. Um, nearly eight years. Wow. Yeah. I was very fortunate. I retired at 56 and I've just let the cat out of the bag. I'm nearly 64. <laughs> so uh, that's how long I've been leading it. I joined this really almost immediately that I retired because there was an advert in the paper for Age UK walks and I thought that'd be a nice thing to do. And within a week, they said, will you be a walk leader? <laughs> so they put me on a little course to start me off. And that's what I did. Great. <laughs> and it feels like it's nice mixed ability group. It is. That's why I like it, because they're all, um, they're all different characters as well. And um, yes, it is mixed ability. So we have to keep stopping to let the ones that are a little bit slower catch up. But... Uh, that's good. We've got back markers that help us out and keep an eye on people if yeah. the group splits out a little bit. So uh, it all works out nicely. And there's a nice lot of nattering going on. Oh, yes, yeah, non stop. <laughs> Some of them go slow because they talk too much, they can't walk and talk. <laughs> this is not a race. No. We're not, we're not going to break any world records and we're not even interested in breaking any records. So. It's just a, just a steady walk for everybody. So it was originally for people wanting to improve their health? That's right. It started off uh, just for that. Uh, people were coming back from hospital, um, long-term illnesses, all that sort of thing. Hadn't done no exercise for years. It started off that way, but it's sort of grown into... Everybody's welcome now. Everybody. But most older people have got something, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. So it's good for them to get out and, and walk and socialise. Yeah. 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 Really, I think. Lovely. So we've just walked along the river a little bit and then through Green Park and now we're carrying on along the river. There's about 13 of us in the group, ranging in age. And it's a nice, gentle walk. Only Age UK started it off, and um, people were asked to volunteer. And it was by U3A. It was an advertisement in U3A. And I thought, well, you know, walking is a, is a very good thing, but we had no idea how many people there would be and also what the range would be of people who could actually walk yeah. and I know we had to plan these things to begin with had to think about where all the seats might be yeah. and, and about the difficulty of people getting to a place because you see you didn't know whether you were going to have people um, who'd got walking poles and who were used to doing at least two or three miles or people who literally couldn't walk very much at all. There are enough proper walking groups with ramblers and bath ramblers and so on um, for you not to need to cater, actually, for that kind of uh, walking. 
And what you want more than anything else is people um, to cater for people who are reasonably able to walk, but they can't do it for more than an hour slowly. And there must be pauses like this where people can rest um, because there isn't really um, in, enough catering for that kind of walker. We both, Alma and I, we've passed from the sort of ramblers stage kind of walk to needing something that isn't a rush all the time, that you've got time to sort of keep up, um, you've got time to talk to people um, and not emerge at the end of it feeling utterly and completely beaten, and I you think know, wheezing. You see, it's very hard when you've walked always and you get to the stage where you can't manage the competitive walks. I mean, Alma's well on in her 80s. I'm 90. So, it, you, you know, you don't really expect to have to cater for people who are in their 60s, 70s. They can probably manage one of the ramblers' kinds of walks. Yeah. Also, walkers um, who walk compulsively um, are very impatient of people who can't keep up anymore. <laughs> I know that within my own group of friends yes. that we walk at very different rates. <laughs> um, I mean, I've done long-distance walks um, and there are people who they will set off in the morning on the walk and they'll get to the far point of the walk for the day at about two o'clock. But they like to be first. You get to a stage where you, you want exercise, you want to get out, it's nice to have a bit of company, um, but you don't want it to be a kind of um, physical competition. It uh, also means we're able to enjoy the surroundings as well, doesn't it, going at this pace? Because it's a beautiful walk along here. Well, it is. I mean, Bath has a lot going for it. There are all those parks you see, are lovely to walk in. You take something like Hedgemead, that not many people know, though, of course, you have to get up a bit of a hill to um, get down again. But um, Henrietta Park, you see, is lovely yeah. from the point of view of shadow, um, nice bits of shade, some seats to sit on if people want to sit for a bit. And along here is lovely. And, and also the canal. Yeah. <laughs> and the walkers have now um, gone in for a nice cup of tea at the Salvation Army uh, cafe um, and from there they'll head back to the bus station but um, I've left them to it so that they can sit inside in the right number because it's very hot outside um, but that was a really 
lovely walk and very much apparent that the social side of it is is really, really, really important, as important as the physical side. Thanks so much to Robin and Marion for talking to Lucy about Bathscape's weekly walk for older people. That's it for this episode of Footprints. Thank you for listening and do get in touch and let us know what you think. You can email us at info at and we're also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can visit our website, bathscape.co.uk. Footprints was hosted and produced by me, Pommy Harmer. We'll see you next month. <laughs>